Welcome to Breaking the Glass Slipper. I'm Megan Lee. I'm Lucy Hounsom. And I'm Charlotte Bond. And today we have a very special episode, and I think it's special because it's the first time we've had a, should we call it fan? I feel weird saying fan, that we have a fan, Um, but we do. And Jessica, this is for you because you asked for an episode on the best gel test, and that's what we're giving you. So... Today we're going to be talking about um, the Bestel test or the Bestel Wallace test. So for those of you who don't know what it is, so the Bestel Wallace test is basically it's really simple, three basic requirements. So you've got does it have at least two women in it? Do they talk to each other? And do they talk to each other about something besides a man? And this is in any kind of story narrative, so a film, a comic, a book anything. This is, you know, it it seems like a pretty basic requirement for gender equality. It should be said that in the original cartoon, um, it was actually put forward as a little bit of a joke and that they, looking at this, they said that last film they had actually been able to see had been Alien. And I think from there, it's from there, it's very much taken off in the areas of Hollywood. I mean, I think we're going to be talking about some books as well this evening, aren't we? But generally this is applied to films and certainly has been across the internet. What is interesting is that, uh, so Alison Bechdel, who the, the test is sort of named after, in a kind of very much, you know, equality, kind of egalitarian point of view, she really wants to to kind of change the name that it's been known as because uh, she wants to give credit to her friend Liz Wallace who mentioned sort of this, who gave us her the idea for the Bechdel test. So we are going to call it the Bechdel-Wallace test in uh, honour of Liz Wallace as well to be included in the, uh, the development of this test. So that's, that's where the test comes from, what it's about. The thing is, we're still talking about the Debeshell test. And the reason we're still talking about it is because so many films and books and just, you know, any kind of stories that we, we get released actually continue to fail this this test. And it's it's so simple just to think that, you know, your your favourite film or your favourite book, surely it has two women talking to each other about something other than a man. Surely, right? Oh my god, no. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I think it's one of those things where you suddenly you stop and you think, well, oh, come on, you know, I know all of these things. And you look back and you realise that actually, you know, you can't. It's very, very difficult to pinpoint a moment where um, women are well, one, two women are having a conversation because, you know, you think that that would be that's kind of normal occurrence. It's not. Um, and then having a conversation about something that doesn't involve a man. I mean, you think, cool, we must have like come further than this. But but no, um, it's 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 really challenging actually to find an example that you know that stands stands up to the test. Well, looking at all of the films, because I know Megan sent out a load of links, and there were some really good stuff. But Five Thirty Eight that have done a load of tests and examinations, and I was really surprised at how badly some of my daughter's favourite films have done. And Zootropolis, I thought, was quite surprising because it's obviously got a female character. If you haven't watched this, Zootropolis is a film um, set in uh, Zootropolis, the city, where a bunny from the outskirts and the the country goes in to be the first ever bunny police officer because all the other police officers are predators and actually pretty much all of the other police officers are boys now I think about it. Yes, they are. Um, And it's a really strong female character, you know, who's really get get on go, doesn't get pushed down or anything. 
Um, and I mean, there's a lot of um, aspects of sort of racial discrimination, I think, in there or any kind of discrimination when they start, you know, discriminating between predator and prey. And I, I think it's a very good social movie. But it fails the Bechdel test because Judy Hopps never actually really speaks to anybody that isn't um, that isn't another woman. I think she speaks to a mum briefly about what she wants to do for a job. Um, but if you look on all the the five thirty eight stuff, Zootropolis comes out. So it didn't have many female writers directed. Didn't have many cast. I know that they said um, Mrs Otterton um, was um, voiced by a. a black lady but she was the only one and it's not really like something that can come across in that and Shakira was in it and she was criticized as being a sexualized gazelle which I have to agree is an, a very genuine um agreement because it is a gazelle and it is very sexualized and I don't quite know how they managed to pull that off but they did so it's just so weird that you can get a film that on the surface of it looks really fantastic and like it's covering so many social issues in a really positive way and yet actually when you get down to it you go it's really failing on quite a lot of levels actually when you look at it i'm glad i had my mic turned off for the sexualized gazelle part <laughs> I was laughing uncontrollably <laughs> and she was just a sexualized gazelle but she was and i can see what they mean and i mean there's but well if we're if we're going in and if this makes the final cut, they also have um, tigers in hot pants as her backing dancers, which is just oh, even more bizarre. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a strange film. But I mean that, and again, Trolls, which my daughter loves and she's always singing all the songs and Poppy's quite, again, a get up and go character. Um, but it's, it is very much a story about love. Um, and are there any Again, I'm really struggling to to bring up any conversations that aren't about how Bridget, the um, the Bergen, is trying to to win her true love and how Poppy is helping her, or Poppy is talking about Creek, the person she's in love with. And again, when they were talking, one of the articles Mega sent around was talking about Frozen and saying that actually Arna is always on about boys and about her true love and things mm -hmm. like that. And it's, you go, actually, yeah, that's that's billed as like a a really progressive film and it has two female leads and one of them is still obsessed with boys and love and they fall out over a boy that's the main motivating factor yeah that's interesting that you mentioned Dana because she uh the, the same article I, I think it's the same one that we've probably both read um you know as she says that you know it, it's meant it's builders as you know disney taking a step forward and yet right at the beginning anna says okay this is what i want from life i want to fall in love madly and be married and have a lovely prince and that's pretty much what happens i mean like okay it's not the one she thinks it is but she does end up falling in love and getting her man in the end and you think well actually that's a really good point because it's kind of builders are oh, you know it, uh, we're, we're twisting some of the gender norms but really what has changed uh, by the end of the film exactly and i think if we're going to look at strong positive female role models and things that will pass the bestel test and pretty much all the tests which didn't get mentioned was tangled because that's got a really good kick-ass female lead and she has lots of conversations with her mother uh, and with the horse, but I suppose I don't really count. Um, I mean, she does, spend, <laughs> she does spend a lot of time talking to Flynn, um, but she does, yeah, I mean, she's got her own character arc and it's not really dependent on Flynn. She's out to get her own thing. Yeah, but then again, though, when you take Tangled, you know, all the people that they encounter along the way are men. 
I think, again, now we're actually getting on to the, the next question we were going to talk about, which is the limitations of the Bechdel test. Uh, and I mean, I think the perfect example was comparing, was it Gravity and um, Legally Blonde? Yes. I do like, I do like Legally oh. Blonde being an ex-lawyer, but I, yeah, not the, the most positive female role models, I don't think. They're all a bit ditzy and, and whatever. And it's, yeah. And then you've got Gravity, where obviously it's, um, uh, it's got Sandra Bullock just on her own with George Clooney. And it, it, she's a strong role model, or so I understand, because I hated the film, but there you go. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it is it is a good leading role for a woman, but that fails the Bechdel test, whereas Legally Bond passes it. So it doesn't actually give you an idea of, I think one of the articles said, was it artistic quality is, is completely out the window when it comes to Bechdel test, which is why it is a very low bar. Yeah, I mean, it is a low bar, but I think it, it's... It's also about context. So in terms of sort of a wider context, to just look at them and say, okay, do these 50 films, for instance, do they pass the test? And given it's a low bar, out of 50, you'd think a good number would, but they don't. And that's, I think, the problem, more so than looking at it on an individual basis. Because, you know, as you say, context is everything. Like, gravity, you can't really... like that there's in terms of a gender equality issue there really isn't one in gravity um and and some other films maybe that that don't pass it but if every single film is not going to have at least two women talking to each other about something other than a man then that's you know that's when we have the problem yeah i mean the thing is uh what i liked was um as life hacker put it was very few movies would fail a reverse Bechdel test for men. And that's kind of, I think, the key. It's like you say, okay, well, this doesn't really take into account, you know, interesting films that maybe have one female character or, you know, for very good reasons or, you know, that it makes sense within in the context of the story. But how many can you actually think of where there is, a, you know, no, uh, you know, at least two men talking to each other about something other than a woman. I mean, I just, I can't think of any that would fail. I can. Ooh. And they're all Drew Barrymore, all Drew Barrymore ones. Really? Okay. I'm, pre I'm pretty sure that Never Being Kissed has very few men in it. Um, and that they all, they all interact with women. Because I know there's... Um, Never Been Kissed is a film by Drew Barrymore where she she is a journalist and she pretends to go back to high school um, to report on the cliques and the bullying there. Oh, I um, love that film. <laughs> it is very good, but I'm I'm struggling to think of any point when two men talk. And it's not, but it's more than talk, is it? They've got to have a conversation. It's not just you know a bit of witty backwards and forwards. Because they mentioned um, that in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, there are a lot of women giving quips and little asides but they never actually have a deep conversation. It's all men and women talking or, or something like that. But yeah, so never been kissed. And the other one, oh, what's the Cinderella one? Ever After. Oh, I love I know Ever that, After. Yeah, it's a favourite of ours. <laughs> it is, but when do two men actually talk and uh, have a conversation? Uh, he, Henry talks to his father. Yeah. Doesn't he? <laughs> oh, oh, what about Leonardo? Yes, Henry and Leonardo talk. Yeah, oh, they talk about no, the Mona Lisa. They're talking about a woman. Oh, oh they are yeah, about they the are. Lisa. They are talking about a woman. 
in fairness, the um, the king and Henry um, are completely when they're talking, they're always talking about him getting married to a woman. Oh, and securing the okay. yeah, you see. Okay, okay. So, what about my two ones that I don't think will fail? Well, there must be parts of Lord <laughs> of the Rings that don't fail, because the men discuss battles, and that's nothing to do with women at all. So, well, yeah, yeah. Lord Lord of the Rings just fails the Bashdell test for women completely, doesn't it? Because yeah, the women we're, never if actually we're reversing meet. it. We're, we're reversing it though. So, yeah, but you can't reverse it on the same <laughs> film though, because then nothing would happen. You've got to take female <laughs> films like Legally Blonde and other ones and reverse it, and kind of go, well, how many films are there aimed at women? where men just have a, a sideline role. and oh, they must aimed... be aimed at women, okay. Well, well, it doesn't have to be aimed at women, but <laughs> I think that's going to be the ones that are going to fail. Well, does gravity fail? There's, oh, there's a little bit at the beginning, isn't it? Are they all talking to Sandra Bullock? Is she involved in every conversation? I can't remember. But this is the thing, like, you know, we, we can think of what, you know, a, a handful of, of ones that might fail mm. when it's reversed, but when you actually, you know, the, the numbers that actually fail mm, there's there's a problem here it's definitely an issue <laughs> there's, yeah there's <laughs> definitely a problem here but i mean you know like we said it is it's a limited test um so this is where yeah. i'm gonna uh mention rj barker who i love 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 and i think we love us, rj yeah we all love rj yeah. <laughs> don't do. don't listen to this rj because you know it won't be good for your <laughs> ego but yeah, so um, I love the first book. It's fantastic. And the first book passes the best gel test. No problem. Um, I'm almost finished the second book. I'm about 50 pages out. So if in the 50 pages it does pass, apologies, RJ. Uh, but so far it, it wouldn't pass the best gel test because none of the women actually talk to each other. There's plenty of women characters who you know have their own arcs and, and are interesting and talk to multiple people and <laughs> but they yeah, never talk right. to each other yeah. and no, it's really interesting yeah and, and it's one of these things again with like context I mean I don't have a problem with the book I really really enjoy the book I think it's fantastic but if you know you then go okay well these 50 books are all like this there is a problem mm. I know, and and I think you've highlighted the the main issue with the, that. I think the Bechdel test is a, is really interesting. We should talk Bechdel Wallace test. Um, it's a really interesting. Um, a kind of as I say, like a low bar test, and it's it's one that at least would raise awareness of the problem. But then now, you know, thirty years on, we need a, um, a slightly more nuanced test um, to pick up the books or the films that exactly as you've just described you know the ones that that do have strong female characters i hate to say that but they have you know well-rounded female characters uh plenty of them but yet still fail the test because you know it's it's quite a, a it's quite a, a strict requirement um so yeah maybe maybe there's time for uh, you know a bit of reinvention but i think one of the when i was thinking about this with books I was thinking the perfect example I have of one that fails quite spectacularly is Mark Lawrence's Prince of Thorns, um, which is told all from a male perspective. And it occurs to me that um, how do, and I mean, I'm using, I picked Mark Lawrence's book because in the Prince of Thorns, guy really doesn't like women very much at all. Um, so he, he goes out of his way to avoid them. And if he talks to them, he is the center of attention. He doesn't listen at banquets or anything. You know, he just, he completely ignores them. But then I was thinking about Robin Jarvis 
who writes um, the Whitby trilogy, the Whitby Witches, and also the Weird Museum and things like that. And mm. he has multiple viewpoints. So he is able to have women interacting with other women and having conversations about other things. Whereas if you're writing a book just from a male point of view, and this goes back to RJ as well, there are probably loads of conversations within that world between two women because they advance the plot on, like you say, they've, own got, they've got their own character arcs. But because you're limiting yourself to one person point of view and that one is a man, how can you, you know, be aware of, of the emotional arcs and the conversations of the women unless it's part of a bigger scene where they're like at a feast or something? It's mm. always going to be an interaction involving a man. Whereas if you do something like Robin Jarvis um, you, and you have, you know, female characters, that makes it a lot easier. Um, yeah, I mean, it does make it easier, but, you know, as as we said, you know, the, RJ's first book, Passes with Flying Colours, and I think maybe it's it's more about, and I, again, I can't understand when you, you have these books which, you know, take place in war, and there's just generally fewer f- soldiers who are female, and so on and so forth. Although, again, in RJ's book, plenty of female warriors, and that's excellent, love it. You know, you, you have these scenes where, you you know, the the entire book is not going to be... Um, just your point of view character talking to one other person. So why can't there be conversations with, you know, one woman, two women, three women? You know, why are they going oh, into oh, a room? On, three women. No, no, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but, they're, you know, they're always going into rooms with, like, one woman and everybody else is a man. No, no, but my point is the best shot test is two women have to have a conversation about something other than a man, and if you involve a man in that, you're automatically making it about the man. Does that Why? make sense? Why? I can have a man in a conversation that isn't about them. But it will be about, because it's your main character, it will be about something key to them. I suppose you could have, um, if we're looking at maybe Star Wars, you could have a conversation around the table um, with uh, female generals talking about a battle. But I don't yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> Do you- but that's, but again, that's. Do you know what my own you. my own words are haunting me, because I just said about it being a strict requirement. It's not a strict requirement. <laughs> oh my god, how this is ridiculous! Like, how hard can it be for two women to have a conversation that doesn't involve a man? I mean, I think that the problem is clearly that we like talking about people and men make up 50% of the population, as obviously women do. And maybe we've been, you know, gradually, in, well, we have been um, indoctrinated by uh, well, to think that the male story is the one of importance, that we've been, I've grown up reading um, books about men, or books about men going on male journeys and discovering themselves. And I think we've, and this, this goes back, you know, hundreds of years. And of course, the fact that the lack of, female voices during that time that actually came to they weren't not there they were there but they never came to prominence so i think that it's actually we're all reacting to you know history and the fact that we've not been well represented so you know when we think okay well it's two or three women having a conversation you know maybe we would it should make sense to have them talking about another woman because they make up 50% of the population. But instead, they talk about men. And because they say, I suppose you then have to throw sexuality into it and say that the heterosexuality is the norm, as they, you know, as all films and books seem to kind of tout it to the heavens. So, I mean, I think that there's so many kind of cultural um you know, uh, aspects that are playing into this, and that we're just still very much, um, still very much like slowed by them. 
kind of and and they're still very much with us so i, I think it's going to be quite a long time to to kind of get our heads around you know a world where we, we can actually have conversations with other women that don't involve men and that's really sad that i have to say that because i was thinking here going like it can't you know it's just it can't be that difficult but i really think it is but what's interesting is like if you if you sit around um you know during the day so like for me at my office there's a good mix of men and women and if I just listen to conversations and so on that that aren't you know just the work conversations because obviously that's about specifically work things but if I'm listening to sort of the incidental conversations the women who talk to each other generally aren't talking about men or they're not you know and, and the men aren't talking about women it's and I know that obviously in fiction you you want it to feel like the dialogue to feel kind of real without actually really being real <laughs> that's actually well observed yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> but <No>, really <laughs> you know with the if you actually think about it you know if if we were reflecting kind of real life within you know dialogue within fiction it seems like we've kind of skewed it so much because if we really thought about it that's not at all how how we talk in in everyday life mm-hmm no, and it, I wouldn't, and also it wouldn't work. I mean, I can only really um, talk from a perspective of a fantasy author, but I mean, we're not really all that different. Um, it's no, you can't. I mean, there's you, you're still writing a piece of uh, a piece of art that has to sell, that has to meet certain criteria, um, and there are conversations that just can't make it into the text you know physically but for whatever reason for many reasons for you know um, narrative reasons for kind of reasons of length um, reasons of um, you know the, the fact that you have to bear in mind what the audience kind of are expecting or what they want or what's going to capture their attention so I think that uh, pieces of kind of art fiction films they're like I don't think they're necessarily great representations of, of reality. Like, you know, it's actually quite rare that you'd find a, a book that described an, a scene in an office as accurately as it happens day to day because people would think, oh, well, that's, there's nothing special about that. It's not entertaining enough. Well, I thought the IndieWire um, article that Megan sent around talking about sort of types of speech and things, I like the fact that they analysed the type of speech for men and women and they found that women were generally speaking in more positive terms but with stronger family values, whereas men were talking more about achievement, death and swear words. And I thought, actually, if you think about the films you see, that does seem to be where women generally are cast. I mean, obviously we have things like Mad Max and where it's not going to be quite the same, but just, you know, your average, you know, blockbuster at at the cinema... Um, but again, how many? I can't remember how many they said they um, IndieWire said they had a look at. But yeah, it's if that's if it's not just what roles women and men are taking, but also the dialogue they're being given that is reinforcing these stereotypes that Lucy's talking about going back into our history. Then it's not just getting more women out there; it's also getting them better lines, better representation. Mm, yeah. Um, one of the, I forget which one of the articles was had the the fantastic chart that showed that the age of male actors and female actors and the roles they were getting was completely reversed so as men got older they got more roles and as women got older they got less roles Mm. and it was just yeah it's it's all these things you might cast a woman but is it a a spunky 18 year old woman who still wants to go off and find you know the right 
the right man to marry and it's you know it's all is still defined by um by her relationship with the uh, uh with the main protagonist uh, i was thinking about thor because i quite enjoyed natalie portman in that but she pretty much just revolves around thor quite a lot even though she's she's a scientist isn't she and, and quite yes. quite but mm. but at the same time it's completely the love interest um so yeah difficult mm. but thor would pass the bestel wallace test because she talks to her um assistant cat dennings about science <laughs> when thor's not around to yes her. <laughs> well yes. yeah there is true well i thought because i know i was gonna put this to megan Megan um, very kindly answered some questions for me about her favourite types of princess. And you said that hands down, Mulan was your favourite princess. But, so but Mulan, I think, failed the Bechdel Wallace test as well. And they said in the pudding article you sent around that 75% of the dialogue was from men. But she's a woman fighting in a world of men. So yeah, that, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, We're again, context quality and context yeah. yeah and you can have a woman having an important role if she um without other women around because you then see her fighting back about the patriarchy yeah and i mean the other thing with milan is you know again when it's sort of based on a tale you kind of you know uh, it it has to be historically relevant like if she went to war well first of all if there were women in, amongst them the entire story would fall apart. There wouldn't be a story because it wouldn't be a big deal for her to go to war. Um, you know, so yeah, context is really important for these things. Yeah, I don't know. Mulan's just brilliant. So no, I just <laughs> want to watch Mulan now. <laughs> God, I tried to show it to my daughter, but she was too scared. She wouldn't watch it, what? and I'm like, really? And she said, I don't like it, mummy. I'm like, okay. She didn't like the Huns, you know, because they're oh, quite they're, they're, they're quite drawn very vicious. They, yeah. they popped out of the snow like daisies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not like I've watched it about 50 times. Well, it is very good. Yeah, I just think this is so, so good when she slices her hair off and then rides off into the night and then she starts trying to spit in front of the... <laughs> funny you know i bet it was a really important milestone for me just as we're talking about really good women is that you know you've um all of my childhood i grew up watching disney heroines who were beautiful and who acted like ladylike women and then you've got mulan who comes in there with her big feet and then like because i noticed that they had this shot of yes, her feet yeah. and I was like, oh, she's got big feet this is really good and then she just starts dribbling <laughs> like so good so it's always going to be one of my favorites just because she feels so so human like so real so you know like you know not uh the disney ideal that we've all become accustomed to yes absolutely before we move on to talking about sort of the what a, a good test might look like um i did want to bring up blade runner 2049 so i really did not like this film um, which upset me greatly because I love the original Blade Runner um, there are a lot of issues with this film when it comes to gender um, and really disappointingly like especially because um, the director you know previously did Arrival which is fantastic on so many levels and especially with gender it's, it's brilliant and then he goes and makes this film and I just I don't understand. But, um, you know, so they, they have this kind of bit where they 
um, have this, you know, this sexy holographic girlfriend for uh, Ryan Gosling's character. And they're kind of making a point about how this is so ridiculous, you know, they've, they've come all this way and yet this is still there. And then they just sort of drop that and it's never really inverted or anything like that. But that's, that's beside the point. The point is that technically, technically, uh, this film passes the Bechdel test. And uh, for those of you interested, you can actually look up bechdeltest.com and like find any like loads and loads of films um, and people have actually gone through and said whether or not they pass or fail. And it's, it's really eye-opening and also a little controversial at times because things like this film is, you know, people are picking up sort of these tiny conversations. Like, they're going, oh, but this one passes because there's a scene where, like, one of the, you know, random LAPD detectives shows up and and talks to another, uh, a, a female replicant. And, you know, and it's like, okay, but that's, what, 30 seconds of screen time? And they're like, are they even named characters? Or, or is just because you're saying she's named because she had a police badge and you could see her... Name, you know, it's like legally like blonde's dog you know <laughs> yeah but it's like these people that they're, they're picking up they're watching this film and they're saying oh no but this passes because you know there was a, a a 30 second conversation between two women who didn't really matter at all to the overall plot and that kind of thing and uh yeah i again this is got you know where the bestel test kind of fails us fails us yeah yes. so they got off too lightly <laughs> Yeah. Well, they did amend it later on, didn't they? Somebody amended it to say it's got to be two named women. Yes. I do know that I have seen that variation. Because, yeah. again, there were a lot of, like, you know, random little asides of, you know, people in coffee shops or something like that. And it's like, no, that's clearly not the point of the, of the Bechdel-Wallace test. So, uh, Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we, there are, you know, other tests for stories. Um, you know, the uh, Bechdel test is obviously the, the kind of the most well-known but there are quite a few others. Um, what is it? The the Macomori? Yes, the Macomori test. Yes, I was just reading about that. Um, Which is well, one fe- There's one female character in it. She gets a plot arc, and that plot arc is not supporting the man's story. Yes, is that the one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think this one's really important because you know, with the Bechdel test, you know. Again, you know, you get those people who are going, oh, but, you know, these, these women have a, a conversation for 30 seconds and whatever, but, you know, then the actual plot of the story might be entirely driven by men, basically involved as men, and then, but it would still pass. So I really like this sort of aspect of, you know, that's, you know, that's not supporting a man's story because so many female characters, as we probably know, <laughs> kind of fall into this category. Yeah, it's a it's a really good one actually. Just to add on the um, you know, add on to the as a first kind of stepping stone really to making the Bechdel Wallace test a bit more um, kind of accurate. Nowadays, when we talk about this this kind of things, you know, getting gender equality into these stories, it, you know, is going back to sort of the intersectional feminism where you want to talk about you know where are the people of color, you know, uh, do they come. Uh, are different classes represented, different body types, you know, all these kinds of things. Because, you know, you get kind of, you know, the the standard Hollywood treatment of, you know, all the women are just 
these lithe, really beautiful, look like they've never had a pizza in their life kind of women, for example, or the the ones who the ones who fail the sexy lamp test. Yes, exactly. I yeah, <laughs> I do like the sexy lamp test. Um, but I was also thinking of the you know after the the Oscars so white, you know, uh, a couple of years ago. And then, oh, well, now they're, you know, they're trying to make an effort. So they've got lots of black actors and directors and so on that, that are coming up. And then the, the Latinos, um, you know, say, well, what about us? Are we invisible? Do we exist? And, you know, it's this, this kind of thing where uh, it's really difficult, I think, to make any kind of litmus test to say, you know, does this cover a good range of diversity? Because... Mm. You, you know, unless you have a test that's got sort of 100 points, you're going to miss people and that's not okay. So we really need to think about kind of intersectional diversity when representing characters in any narrative. And it's really depressing that we have to do this. <laughs> in the Lifehacker um, article you sent around, someone suggested doing a racial Bechdel Wallace test, which I think even more films would fail compared mm. to the um, compared to the uh, female Bechdel Wallace test, um, and I also liked that Dylan Maron, who did the um, uh, the every single word he counted, he went through a film and found how many um, color characters shared a conversation or were on screen just speaking in general, and he found that only five were actually for one minute in a, a well known film. Now I must admit, I didn't click on the link to see what it was. But the other one I thought was quite interesting was um, Ghostbusters because I really enjoyed that and I didn't really see anything wrong with it until someone pointed out why was it the black character the only one who was not a scientist? And I thought about this and I was like, that's true. Why, you know, the black character could easily have been any of the others. Yeah. But then I was thinking about that. Is it reflecting values from the 1980s when the original one, because I'm pretty sure in the original one you had the three main guys was sign uh, three main white guys were scientists and then they had a, a black character Ernie Hudson wasn't it who then yes. came on later so I, I can kind of see that I can kind of see the point that it could easily have been um another black character any of the characters could have been black with no difference at all but I did wonder if they just if the what the producers had thought about whether they'd gone oh it's a step too far to reverse gender and reverse race let's stick to the original racial connotations and then we'll move everything else along um I was just—I just thought it was interesting, and you know what—what what that reflected, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. Well, yeah, I mean, you even look at—you um, know—say *Bridesmaids*. It's all very white, and you just—are oh, we talk—are we talking about actual bridesmaids or the film *Bridesmaids*? <laughs> the film *Bridesmaids*. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like it, it's all very white. Mm. Um, uh, or so recently they I mean, we're getting off off science fiction fantasy and horror but you know they they put friends on netflix recently and there's been a lot of conversation online with people discovering it for the first time and going well why are all the main characters white and it's just it, it actually it made me really sad because i that thought had never occurred to me you know they're in new york why are they all white and why most of the people that they talk to and interact yeah. with as as kind of you know guests they're all white and i had just never 
clicked to that because it was just so normal to me to see yeah, that Yeah, it's TV. because we're used to seeing ourselves reflected in the programmes that we watch, which is appallingly unfair, you know, if you don't see yourself reflected in, in the media that everybody is talking about. It really makes you kind of feel bad you know they, they talk about you know the guilty feminists you know they're always saying oh what what have we done that's that goes against our feminist ideals I mean it, it's all of this you know when you start appreciating these things and go oh yeah I really like that oh wait though because oh yeah there's actually no people of color in that and oh and there's no actual there's only one woman in it you know and, and you start thinking about these things and it's almost like I feel bad for liking anything well, that's the thing you can't I can't think of anything or maybe our listeners can think of of one film or one tv series that combines everything maybe the walking dead would would qualify I mean even in George R. R. Martin it's it's pretty white there as well really isn't it mm. but at least in the walking yeah. dead you you have a variety of characters from um different ethnic backgrounds and you have re- the, some of them are wimps some of them are really strong um it seems equally vicious about who it kills off so is the walking dead maybe the perfect perfect bestial wallace test for everybody i don't know but otherwise uh, sorry i got distracted by the walking dead there sorry um, <laughs> but i was but i was thinking about you know it, a bit like the ghostbusters thing you can it was designed to be um, more inclusive of women and, and showcase female roles more, but it clearly failed on sort of um, age, you know, age discrimination and racial discrimination. And um, I don't know, is it sexual discrimination? Was it? I don't remember any of the characters being anything other than, than straight, but I could be wrong. But it doesn't really. In, it wasn't really in there, apart from. Um, Thor being the uh, Chris Hemsworth, sorry, being the love interest, which was a very nice twist. But yeah, sorry, I'm I'm thinking as I go here. I'm just like, I mean, there are other films that you know put black people uh, and even black women, you know, front and center. But you never really get a film that does it for everybody. I can't really think of anything. Like I said, the only thing that comes close is The Walking Dead, and that's because you have so much airtime, you can devote it to doing so many character arcs. Whereas, of course, in a film, you've got to focus on a couple of people. Yeah, I absolutely think that there's no way, you know, you can kind of, you know, do justice to everything in, like, a film. But the fact that it's done so rarely, you know, there's just so few that would yeah. would do any of it, that that's the problem. So, you know, if, if one film was had a lot of female characters from a wide range of racial backgrounds, you know, that would be fabulous, and maybe um, another one could have some wonderful characters, um, you know, of, of different physical abilities, or you know. It, it, but the problem is that none of them have any of it, and that that is kind of the issue. I'd, I'd say. Yeah, we're having to pick one or two examples of forward-thinking and progressive films out of a host of stuff that comes on the cinema i mean how much how many films come out each month there's there must be a good couple of dozen each month of each year sorry yeah so each and it just yeah insane and we, here we are desperately trying to pick up <laughs> pick our brains thinking of ones that are fair to like you say to, to the latinas and put them front and center and things like that mm-hmm. but i was surprised to see that in the was it the um the next the 35 38 
article you sent around, they, they examined so many different films of, sorry, they examined so many aspects of the different films from, was it 2016? And there was the most recent Star Trek did really, really badly. Mm. And I was thinking that's such a shame because the original Star Trek was supposed to be so inclusive. I mean, I think we discussed it before, how they put a Russian front and centre in the middle of the Cold War and they had the first interracial kiss and mm. and Star Trek and things were leading the foreground and now they're falling behind really bad, that, you know, failing in all these aspects. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Rogue One, which was, oh, look, we've got this main female character, isn't this fabulous? Fails the best shell test. So... It fails a sexy lamp test, to be honest. I, <laughs> I basically, I got to the end of that film and I was actually sitting there going, I wonder what kind of lamp she would be. And it was far more interesting, <laughs> literally superimposing a lamp on her because then at least you got the comedy value. And I was sitting there going, oh, oh hang on, she's going to be saved. Oh, there we go. Oh, oh, she's going to kill the bad guy. Oh, no, someone's done it for her. Sorry, I, I must get, I must never talk about Rogue One because they're, they're a wealth of sadness lies. <laughs> Amazing. So, I mean, what else would you, if either of you had to come up with kind of things that you would sort of make as kind of the low bar that you wish people could could actually pass uh, in, in narratives, what, what else would you put in there? Well, I really like the um, the Turiel test that at least one woman has to be good at what she does. Mm, I like I that. And, say and, that. It's really it, good. Yeah. Yeah, and it applies to anybody. And I think we keep coming back again to Ghostbusters. The was the black woman that was she? She was kind of competent, but she was also kind of the comedy relief. Why couldn't one of the others be? Mind you, they're all pretty useless, I suppose. <laughs> so that that does. <laughs> well, that was the whole point of the original: was all the men were useless as well. So it was kind of nice to see all the women being as useless and as, as sex mad, really. Um, but yeah, I think I think. But what can... was it? <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is said by someone who hasn't watched the original and hasn't watched the new one. So I will retire gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think it's fair to say if you put any character, <clears throat> whether they're um, of a different race, of a different gender, different sexuality, of anything, if you're going to put them in something as as representative, have them being good at it. Don't just have them in the background as the comedy relief. Don't just have them as the one that you know comes on with all the wisdom and then disappears off again. Have them being proactive and you know taking an active role and being good at something, and then. It doesn't matter if they don't share a conversation with another person of the same race, colour, gender, whatever. They're in there and they're being positive and they're part of part of it and they're being good at it. And that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much echoing what Charlotte said, really. I mean, while it's nice to have a racially, you know, gender um, diverse world, um, integrity of character. I mean, I think if... if <laughs> If you come back to it, but it really does come back to that. You know, if you're going to create a character and if you're going to, especially a named character, I would like to think this applies to, to everybody, but especially with your named characters, that you're going to have to, you know, do some work on their background. You're going to have to think about where they've come from, who they are, what's shaped them, what experiences have shaped them, where they're going, uh, what they want from life. Um, and it's a remarkable how many uh, movies um, and, and books um, still don't seem to kind of take these vital aspects of a person's life into account um, and I think if more people did that then they would actually produce better films because you wouldn't help but you know start to incorporate 
diverse aspects into it. I mean, if you think about where a person has come from and you think about the experiences that, that uh, you know, that they may have encountered, what their upbringing is like, then it, you're already kind of thinking beyond the stereotype. You're making them real. Um, and that's all we can ever really ask from, from art. I mean, I know when we're part of um, readers groups and things like that on Facebook or online and forums, and people say, oh, who, you know, who are your favourite black writers or black characters? There's always a good amount of people who goes, I don't really care whether they're black or gay or male or female. I just want good characters. And if they happen mm. to be these, then that's great. You know, and I think that's kind of what we want. We want good characters. And there's no reason why they shouldn't be any of these other things. That You know, they should be good and they should be should be there I mean it's I know it sounds a bit lazy going oh I, I just want just want good characters because then what the standard thing is that people tend to give us um tend to give us white cis males cis females and so on but I think if people just kind of get around and go right I want a good character why can't it be a good black character a good female character a good trans character or something like that I think people will go a lot further than trying to sort of I don't know incorporate them gently or or I don't think I'm explaining it very well but just yeah you mean shoehorning yeah a little bit and kind of you always find if there's going to be a minority character they're always struggling why can't they just be out there and be good and having their own character arcs and just going yeah I'm gay so what I'm also you know kicking ass and my problem is in fact that I don't have enough grenades (laughs) not that you know I'm gay and in the military yeah do you see what I mean yeah their problems stem from their minority you know so if someone is um has a disability you know their problems within the story or or even their their characterization kind of will be centered around that rather than yes you know just around hey they like reading or you know whatever it is that that makes any other character um interesting you know they they won't have that they'll it'll focus on what makes them different and that's appalling basically it's like the topside test for trans literature meaning you know that requires a book has multiple trans characters who know each other who talk to each other about something other than medical transition procedures so it's Mm -hmm. again it's the things like that like we talk we don't talk about the thing that makes us different in the eyes of you know society which is just yeah because i i could understand i mean I, i feel like women are hardly marginalized um but you know but of course we kind of I suppose we feel we are this is why we started this podcast in the first place but it must be even worse you know for people who continually don't see themselves represented and then when they do see themselves represented it seems like their reason for being different becomes the center of the plot and that's the only thing that anyone ever talks about and I just yeah I think it's crazy that we're still seeing so many uh books and, and films coming out which are not addressing this this problem I think what we need are more films like, if going back to the original Bestow Wallace test, is more films like Alien, where you get a traditional male role played by a female, and that's it. There is, there's no fanfare about it, there's no changing of the, the, the dialogue or anything like that. It's just, we'll have a woman in this role, and, you know, it'll be an action hero, and it, it'll be a woman. And, I mean, how famous and how iconic is that movie? Why can't we have some more of that? Why can't we have some more directors, producers, casting agents going, yeah, cool, well, well, we'll have a black guy and not mention that he's black, or we'll have this black woman over here in power and not mention the fact that she's black or a woman or in power. Or, or in power, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or anything, it's just, just, it's just how it is. Mm-hmm. What I would really like is, you know, when you have kind of ensemble casts, that there's 
you know, as much as you can within reason, 50-50. Why, you know, are the background characters or just, you know, the, the cops that come to pick someone up, why are they always men? Just have, make sure that, you know, not even in your main cast, but in in sort of the supporting characters, that they are women, you know, that there are some women in there as well and some people of colour. And it just, just represent what a real world is like. Is that really so hard? <laughs> I must admit, I had that with Lucy's book when I was reading the, the first book, um, Starborn, and uh, it's good that there are some guards appear, and, um, and it's like, oh, what are you doing here, she said. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's a female guard. And I suddenly went, it's not that that's weird, it's just that I, that's not what I was expecting from a fantasy novel. And it, it's really cool, and of course there would be female guards, but it, it was it just suddenly took me a little bit by surprise because I went, that wasn't my expectation to begin with. And I'm seeing that an awful lot more. RJ put that in his books. There we go, RJ, you you have redeemed yourself. Were you expecting a traditional male tiny role that usually goes to men and suddenly it's a woman and you're like, oh yeah, of course the women would have done this. But you just don't think about it because you're so conditioned to think of guards and, you know, the minor characters are just going to men, like you say, in crowd scenes and things. Uh, do you want to be let in on a secret and everybody who else is listening um i actually wrote that scene with a, a two men originally um and it, it didn't occur to me until i read it back that i realized what i'd done and thought that i'm not writing a patriarchal society so why have i used the he pronoun um i like a kind of knee-jerk reaction and it's, yeah. it's at times like that when you suddenly realize how indoctrinated we are um so i i mean from that point on i was resolved to be more aware of what i was doing and 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 the thing is scenes like that you know there are there are characters that are always going to be filler characters you need mm. a couple of guards to come in at that point you know and to serve a purpose but why should they conform to stereotypes, you know, that, that have been around for decades when, you know, that they don't need to? Um, because I think everything makes a point, um, even the smallest things. And I think when you're creating a secondary world, um, it's very important to look at the way that you construct society. And, and I think that the the reason I'd written he was just a response to so to have you know being a teenager and growing up and being kind of quietly indoctrinated by all of these masculine professions that had you know there was no reason for them to be a, a masculine profession. I mean, I'm pretty sure we covered this in an earlier episode because I'm sure I remember saying that I started out um, my book monstrous with just being all men because I've been reading a lot of horror that have been centered around men. And I was like, oh, yes, this is clearly a buddy, a buddy horror. And I was like, actually, no, it's not. Um, and I kind of just went, yeah, OK, actually, no, it works much better if I change this to a woman. It adds a, a lot more depth to it and creates creates a greater sense of drama and tension between the two of them. Um, and the young lad ended up being gay as well, just because that was how the character felt. But that was how the characters grew in my head. But they started off as your normal um normal male heterosexual young and old and I was like actually no that's not what I want to write at all because that's been done loads and, and that's not who my characters are yeah I mean people say that we we run out of stories you know there's no original stories well you know what because so many minorities have been underrepresented that's where your new stories are yeah and they need to be told so get out there and tell them you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> And with that call to action, I think we're done. But thank you very much for listening to Breaking the Glass Slipper.